and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short, controlled bursts. I'm John Engel. And I'm Susan Kruglinska. This week we begin with Minute 111, begins with Ripley jamming a clip into her pulse rifle, and ends with Ripley cramming a grenade into the grenade launcher. That's right, everyone. That is uh, Susan Kruglinska back again. You might remember her from earlier minutes uh, way back. I can't even remember what minutes we were talking about. It was, it was early. So long it, it was, was very early. It was, right? it was back when they were just waking up out of their pods. Uh, and I was calling myself Kruglinski back then. I changed my name to an A at the end to feminize it. But, you know, whatever. And uh, Susan is now also, she wasn't before, but she is now a host of her own I guess Movies by Minute podcast, where are you, you're on the Movies by Minute page and everything. Right? I'm on the Movies by Minute page. I'm part of the family, although I'm doing, um, so I'm doing The Shining 237. So I'm doing every two minutes and 37 seconds. And honest to God, doing your show is what inspired me because I, I had so much fun doing this. I was like, I want to do this. So yeah, and I, and, and I, so I picked The Shining. And uh, so I can thank you for getting me started in this uh, little podcast gigging world. And- yeah, and here in about three months or so, you'll be saying, I can blame you <laughs> yes, exactly. for dragging me into this podcast. Well, I'm only doing it weekly, so uh, yeah. yeah, so it's a little bit, man, I don't know how you do this five days a week, but it's, I mean, it's fantastic. Everyone, Shining 237, go out and check it out. There's a few episodes out already, and it'll be running, what, probably for a year? For a year, so, yeah, 55 or, episodes. Yeah. All right. And do you have somebody there with you? I do. I have uh, the person who brought me to your attention in the first place who brought me on your show last time I was here. Mr. Joe Dater, New Yorker cartoonist, uh, humorist, Mad Magazine cartoonist, too. Wait, are we we're doing this today? <laughs> this is today? Oh, I were literally just, uh... just rolled out of bed just now. I'm so sorry. Uh, give me a moment. I just got to, like. I just got to brush my teeth and stuff and get ready. Um, His pod just opened and he's defrosting. I'm I'm much like Frost himself. I'm defrosting. Uh, yes. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be back, John. And uh, Susan, thank you for, for uh, allowing me to be here in my own apartment. Yes. And thank you for having me in your basement apartment in Queens, which is our favorite place to podcast. Well, you should be. You should enjoy it because you're never leaving. Uh, thank you. Yes, very much. No, I'm so I'm so happy to be back here because uh, we were last here. It was minute twenty four was uh, when uh, we were here. Wow. And oh, I, wow. I haven't really been watching the movie in between that, so I'm really eager to catch catch up with uh, all the gang, Frost and Hudson and Spunk Meyer and all my friends, <laughs> and see how they're doing. I'm really really looking forward to seeing them again. They're all they're all doing great, right? Yep, they're all up on the Salaka waiting for Ripley. Oh, thank um, goodness. Keeping the cornbread warm. Oh, fantastic. I can the commissary. Yeah, Not such... that she likes the cornbread, but, you know, that's oh, all I'm they've just, got. I can't so. wait for some more, some more comedy banter around the mess table with, with yeah. our old sitcom pals. <laughs> but first, before Ripley can go uh, partake of the cornbread on the Salako, she's got to go get Newt, because I don't know, uh, I guess you guys don't know, Newt has been taken by a giant alien, and um, oh, the, oh, there's aliens in this movie. <laughs> yeah, they did. They ran into a That's couple. Funny. Uh, and I Newt, watched uh, all five minutes for this week. I didn't see one, so I had no idea there were aliens in this movie. Shoot, I guess I should tell you. There's a little girl named Newt. Oh, I right. I haven't met her. Little yeah. blonde-headed uh, girl that lived there on LV 426, oh, really? which was the planet they were headed to. Yeah. And um, 
you know, everything was everything was fine until this alien came and took her away. And so now Ripley's got these, to gear uh, up, wisecracking, get... precocious kids with the with the wacky yeah, she's rollers, hilarious. the roller skates, and the crazy costumes. And here's the thing about this week: every movie, every movie ever made in the history of movies has had a worst five minutes. It's just the nature of the beast. Uh, it's there's a best five minutes and there's a worst five minutes. Um, and this might be could be a contender for most boring five minutes, but. That's the well, challenge. Think, that's no. Ahead I don't of us. think I don't think there's anything bad about these five minutes. Out of context, they seem pretty boring because there's uh, no dialogue. There's one character. <laughs> there's nothing happens. There's a whole lot of getting ready and a whole l- lack of anything that is being prepared for. Uh, it's a it's a big old tease. Uh, of uh, of a week, folks. So get ready. No, we, we're, uh, we're we're ready. For, this is I like I like the challenge. I like, but in context, like in context, you're, the tension is being ratcheted up in a beautiful, wonderful way. It's really great storytelling. Right. Yeah. And it's a little bit, you know, if you're taking it out of context, say you've seen Alien but haven't seen Aliens, and you just watch this five minutes, you'd be like, I've seen this already. I I've know. seen her walking around with a flamethrower right. with yeah. a voice telling her, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna." You know, uh, but, you know, if you watch it in context, I suppose you'd call it an homage or a callback. But, uh, yeah, it does seem it's very familiar in certain ways. Yes. And then the stakes are a little bit different uh, with the added element of another person who she's responsible for rescuing instead of just a, the simple self-preservation element yeah. of the and cat, original. And cat yeah. preservation, feline preservation. Oh, cat. Yeah, I forgot. Sorry, Jones. Didn't mean to forget about you there. Uh, but yes, of course, cat preservation is very important, as my cat, who is at my feet, would attest to. Your cat's like, you would save me, right? You would go <laughs> back like, wait, and save me. <laughs> so that's What is your cat's name? Uh, Heidi. Heidi is the Heidi. one that's personal. I have two, Goo and Heidi. Heidi is the one that happens goo. to be at my feet right now. Yeah, Goo. It's If you met Goo, you would understand why that's her name. Uh, okay. I like that. A bit that of an alley cat. That's, that's a bit cryptic, but yeah, okay. Um, well, there's no fluids involved. I'll I can't. Just say. That's, that's well. Speaking of goo, we're going to see a lot of that. In we this are. Um, but actually, if we were seeing some now, it'd be better. Uh, it doesn't even come in until Wednesday. You won't see any goo until Wednesday. You're seeing plenty of goo now because goo is down there near you. But we don't get to see any goo, and right. I'd love to see some goo. We will. Yeah, the, there will be goo. That's the yeah. title. Yeah. No, I the, just want to say, what, so Heidi, Heidi is your cat. Look for Heidi uh, uh, starting next next month hosting the Jones Minute, where she, analyzing the alien movies from the point of view of the cat. Oh, that would uh, be so great. Yeah. It would just be a, a podcast about that book that lady wrote about Jones's point of view. The thing I never brought up when, when I was on the show previously was that uh, if I think if this movie was made today, it would all it would be all about Jones. Because Jones would come back from the 57-year sleep and be the world's oldest cat and become an internet sensation. Yes! And that's, yeah. I would like a whole movie about that. That's a good point. Look, kind of like the that cat that lived at the train station in Russia or wherever it was. Yeah, that was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jones would be the world's most famous cat, for sure. Actually, the galaxy, yeah. you know, in this particular case, we have multiple star systems. I mean... Rip. I think Jones would be known all over the galaxy. Yeah, but I think Jones's vi- Jones's viral fame would take precedent over anything else happening yeah. in the movie if it were made today. And Ripley would not have to go. She wouldn't need the money. She, I mean, the woman who owns uh, Grumpy Cat has made 
literally like $99 million and it, no exaggeration, 99 yeah. million. I mean, it's, it's insane. So yeah, she would not, she would not need to go on this mission to get her license back. She'd be like, yeah, F off, you know, I'm... she's made skatygate million dollars. Yeah. My, my dad would say. So shall we begin just looking at this minute? I, I, I want to mention, first of all, that this minute starts with a continuation of the last minute. Which is more, which is Rich <laughs> Ripley taping up stuff, sticking a thing into another thing, grabbing a thing, and it's that quick cutting sort of action movie getting ready montage stuff, which is now in its second minute. And you know, this is you know we talked about it a little bit last week. This is a gear up scene, a classic gear up scene that were apparently very popular at the time. I decided, oh well, you know, this could be something we could talk about. I could research gear up scenes where people are. You know, loading ammo into weapons and strapping things on, yeah, you know, sticking yeah. knives into uh, sheaths and so on. Was this a well-known so trope by 1986, or was this one of the first uses of it? I, I, I don't know. Well, well, in my, you know, I decided to just do best uh, best gear-up scenes on YouTube, you know, and see what came up. And almost all you of did. them are from right around this period. Mm. And there's the big one that would – the two big ones that predate this movie – would be uh, Rambo in Rambo First Blood Part 2. Okay, yeah. yeah. Also That's written classic. by James Cameron, by the way. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, and it's a real slow burn. It's like for a few seconds, he's sharpening a knife. And then they cut to – I can't remember the context of that movie. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. But they cut to some guys at like a um, you know monitoring station. And then uh, Richard Crenna. You know, they cut, keep cutting away to different people as he's slowly gearing up. And getting the uh, explosive, exploding tip arrowheads into the case and all this stuff that he ends up using later in the movie. Uh, so that's 1985. And then the same year, mm -hmm. it was the year Commando came out, which I think this is probably the quintessential, like original, what everybody thinks of what Edgar Wright uh parodied in Hot Fuzz. Right, and so it's on. been parodied like South Park has done it. Yeah, it's very much a spinoff, yeah. though, of the cheesy, uh, you know, Karate Kid kind of um you know, where they would put a, a pop song over the protagonist, you know, yeah. preparing mm -hmm. for the battle, you know, that kind of thing. It's it's a little bit of a, of a serious, you know, more serious take on that. Well, wouldn't you love wouldn't you love to go back and re score this movie? I'd love to do that to a lot of movies, actually, especially mm -hmm. like Star Wars. And I'd love to go back and rescore them, taking out the orchestral score and replacing it with uh, pop songs of the time the movie came out. And think about the 1980s songs that you could insert into this film that would work as companion to the action. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like something where they talk about how the going's getting tough, or you're gonna, you know, be able, you're gonna be able to take it. Right. Yeah. Just. I mean, you could put. Well, I mean, like Eye of the Tiger from Rocky would fit in well, very well in this film. Um, we were just right before recording this. Susan and I were singing. Kyrie Eleison, <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Kyrie Eleison in the road that I must trap. I'd love to put Wait, that somewhere. Wait, you're, you're talking about Carrie a laser? Carrie a laser. Carrie a laser. Everybody knows the that they're really that saying Carrie a laser. There's, there's aliens that you've got to fight, and they have acid for blood. Isn't that the, that's, those, aren't, those aren't the words, sorry. But it, yeah, that, it, well, if it is Carrie a laser, then it fits in perfectly. Carry a laser. That's what I always thought it was. It should be. Yeah. I think it should be. That. But like some great 80s cheese pop sure. would go nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Do, well, you know, I was going to say about the commando gear up scene and why I thought that that one was kind of the quintessential one. We've got the James Horner uh, is scoring that one as well. So both of the gear up scenes have correlations with aliens, right? You got James Cameron writing one. 
James Horner scoring the other. And uh, it's the one where it's you know, being scored with a sort of 80s soundtrack. There's saxophone. There's a little bit of steel drum going Ooh, on yeah, in the score. Yeah. And it's kind of like it's almost the uh, the movie score version of a pop song that you're talking about. But you're also getting this very rhythmic, sla- you know, slapping in of knives and slapping in of clips and clipping, you know, his bulletproof vest or whatever, his gear vest around him. And it all starts with Arnold, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger riding up on a boat in his underwear. You know? <laughs> so it's like, I highly recommend everybody go out and just watch that gear up scene because it's the one you go, oh, my God, I've seen this parody like 500 times now. But it seems to be the the thing, the prelude to this. You know, uh, we get a little bit of that in this scene yeah. with Ripley. But this is I love, I love not the underwear. Commando though. was, was such a com- Commando was such a great uh, sort of perfect example of like an '80s action movie. It's so simple and clear. But this is also so yeah. much a uh, throwback to. Her uh, in in the original aliens, you know, setting the ship to self destruct. Um, That's you know with the cylinders, which kind of reflect the grenades. I I just couldn't stop seeing that scene uh, as various, you know, as as that's the reflection. And then, of course, after this, as she's going through the hallways, you know, it's it's very much her trying to get to in the original film, trying to get to the escape pod, you know. Uh, so it's all, yeah. And this movie is just chock full of reflections from the first movie. Um, he gets away with it, though, because he's reoriented the whole thing so never, well. But it never feels like just like, hey, remember this? Right. Here's more of the same. It, it always lo- feels like an extension, a build on what was before. Yeah. No, it, 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 I think that there's moments where it's a little cloying, but for the most part, he does it really well. And I think that's why in the future movies, the ones that we're now, you know, very critical of, the ones that have just come out recently, um, you know, it's annoying. It, it really is at this point cloying when they do too much of a, you know, complete ripoff of the earlier movies, because uh, it's now been too many times that they've done this. Um, but it, it works here and you can see why he'd want to, you know, it's, it's, it's a good transition. Um, and actually we have some, we have a little dialogue here that we, we need to talk about. Yeah. There's some, there's some Bishop and, uh, and, uh, Hicks or, uh, in this, uh, do you want to, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, Bishop, Bishop says Ripley and, uh, Ripley says, I don't want to hear about the Bishop. She's alive. There's still time. And Bishop, well, let me do Bishop. Sure. Um, in 19 minutes, this area is going to be a cloud of vapor the size of Nebraska. Nebraska. Why Why Nebraska? Because Nebraska, in the future, is enormous. <laughs> it's like Canada. It's big now. Think how much bigger it's going to be in the year 2179. 2179, well, yeah. that's almost, that's almost uh, 140 years from now. Or, yeah, they figured yes. out that they didn't need any Dakotas. Like, what do we have those right. Dakotas for? Let's just make them Nebraska. <laughs> so it, Nebraska extends north a couple of states. It just and, got um, bigger. It just grew for some reason. It expanded. <laughs> Nobody knows how or why. Look how big it is now. It, things just grow over time. They expand. They 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 branch out. And Nebraska is probably massive. Wait a minute. I think I I think I know. I think, the size of perhaps of he's referring continent. to the colony, the agricultural colony of Nebraska. And that would be where they grow all the corn. Or the oh, oh the, that's the corn problem. It all comes the corn back to that, that's a, that alien it all comes back to corn. Virus Always. corn that came from from uh, the corn planet, which is currently uh, taking over the earth. And they've got to eat all this cornbread to kind of get rid of it. And st- eat all the cornbread, uh, shove all the cobs up their asses, and that's the only way they can deal with this corn problem. <laughs> and that yeah. is causing this immense problem of Nebraska. 
becoming enormous and huge and threatening to take over the entire Earth. It, so when he says the size of Nebraska, he's talking about an entire planet. He's talking about yeah. just it's probably the capital of America at this point. Yeah, and a great album. But you, yeah. I don't. A lot of people don't know that the, the, the original dialogue from this was Bishop says. In 19 minutes, this area is going to be a cloud of vapor the size of Nebraska and twice as sad as the album Nebraska. <laughs> yes. By Bruce Springsteen, which is a great album. <laughs> yeah, they cut all that out. Though. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, because it was too it dated, dated, it a little dated bit. movie. That's it. It's it. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> so so Rip- then Ripley, Ripley says, Ripley. Hicks, don't let him leave. And Hicks says, he ain't going anywhere. And now here, there, there's a, a bit cut out here, right? Is there? I didn't know that. There is a scene cut out. What is this? What is the cutout? The cutout is an uh, exchange where um, Ripley gives... I, I, I didn't write down the dialogue, but it's uh, Ripley says... Her, Hicks says his first name, um, which I'm forgetting. Do you know it, John? Dwayne. 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 Why Dwayne? Dwayne. Not Dwayne. It's Dwayne. Dwayne Hicks. Dwayne. I wonder and, how he uh, spells it. Is it D W A Y N E? I believe it is. It's Dwayne. Yeah. Dwayne. Which again is sounds like someone from Nebraska. I don't know why. Dwayne Hicks from Nebraska. Uh, and Ripley reveals her first name, which I I I think we did learn in the first movie, right? It's Ellen. It's Pipley. It's Pipley Ripley. Pipley Ripley. <laughs> <laughs> Pipley R. Wait, where, Ripley. Where did we, Hello, where did we I'm Pipley R. Ripley. Yeah, I should have I should have paid attention to that because I watched the first Alien again last night. Did we know her name was Ellen? We must have. There must have been a point where they list their names at least on a on a computer screen or something. Mm. But yeah, but I mean, most people most people did not know her first name was Ellen at this point. Most people, you know, you wouldn't have. I'm sure if if it came up, it was very small detail that you would barely notice. So that was kind of you know, it's it's sort of interesting that they cut that out because it is sort of a poignant little moment going oh humanizing ripley with a first name yeah i feel like the it's a good cut though to me because they've already had all the so many of these moments together like i feel like they already had stronger moments of bonding between the two of them that this would have felt a little tacked on Mm -hmm. i've never really i remember that see honestly i kind of forgot to to mention it so i'm glad you're here to bring that up because i totally forgot to mention it here (laughs) this is the minute that it would have happened but i always thought that that was a little like okay that's kind of simple like any any movie would have that scene like this scene worked so hard and did so well establishing the relationship through you know, teaching her how to shoot a gun or yeah. through little looks and things that worked a little giving bit her, better in the giving story. Her, giving her the tracking armband. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think this was, that was the name exchange was a bridge too far, really. It didn't really have to happen. So I think it's a good cut. Yeah. Plus, it's, yeah. it feels good in the frantic mode that this movie's in where she's like, we had to have Bishop, I guess, come in and remind us what the ticking clock was. Okay, well, let's check back with the clock. Bishop is holding the clock, you know, apparently in this movie. Yeah. And he says, okay, here's how long we have, and here's the stakes if you're not back by this time. And it's like, got it, let's go. And I'd rather see her just run on out the door and, yeah. and get this going than stop and have a moment. It's like, well, now, Bishop would be like, well, now you only have 18 minutes. So, right, uh, right, right, right. You know, no, it's, it's like true. Kind of ridiculous. No, the whole thing is already, already a bit much. I mean, raise your hand if you would have gone back and gotten it. I, I mean, I'm oh, not. Oh, oh no, <laughs> I, no. What are the chances of actually surviving that? I mean, in the movie, she... they don't kill you. <laughs> they don't kill you. Don't you understand that? They don't kill you. 
for some reason, which is conveniently, conveniently, they don't kill you. 19, if you're an important character, they don't kill you. In 19 minutes, she's going down into a pit of aliens, all wanting her dead. And she's going to find this little girl and t- get her out of there. I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a kid person, so right. maybe that colors yeah, my... It never occurs to her that the tracker might still be going, even if she's dead. Right, exactly. And... I still and I still can't figure out if they don't if they don't they don't kill you if they don't kill you what are they doing with you? They're they're waiting for you to be get face hugged. Cocooning you, you but then cocooning you. Then what do they do with you? Here's my question: face hug you and and then you you have a baby. You have an alien baby for them. See, we had this discussion before. At no point in their life in their life cycle is it ever explained what the hell they eat. Are they eating people? If not, what are they eating? There's no life form that can exist without eating. Right. So if they don't kill you and eat you ever, they've got to kill. They've got to kill somebody and eat well, them. It's, yeah, it's like you said. They eat the the side characters in Cocoon. The, That's it. the main characters. They figure you know? out who it who is important, who is credited first in the film. Yes, they look yeah. at the they look at that first page of the script and see who actually gets mentioned, you know, in the character descriptions at the beginning of the script, mm-hmm. and they go, "Okay, don't eat these guys." So yeah. these the are thing. the cocoon people. So when when they do, so when they decide to cocoon somebody, they have to then and and they did this with you know obviously adults. Nude is an exception because she's a little girl. These are adults, so there are no scenes of aliens carrying humans like running they must be grabbing these humans and running with them to their mm. nest and you never see that and it's like well, i like, not, like to, running along the ceiling I like defying to gravity that. you don't see it because they're like doing that weird defying gravity thing they do where they run along the ceiling. like when the guy when they grabbed harry dean stanton and pulled him up into the ceiling but to hold an entire adult human you have to use both your arms and then run with your legs like so I like i'm fine to- with it no i'm fine with that because I like the way the aliens are sometimes portrayed as not obeying the laws of physics. So how are they carrying? So how do you picture them carrying the humans back to the nest? Just like they carried uh, um, uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Rest in peace, Harry. Rest in power, my brother. Uh, <laughs> just like they carried Harry Dean Stanton back, which was apparently just by grabbing him by the head with their jaw and pulling him up. And I guess I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's like, and I, I, it's a shame that they don't have. I would have loved to have seen that kind of shot where the alien is carrying a full-grown human to the nest. Uh, but you know, it's that would have been. I mean, that would, that's that's a challenge. But maybe or it just look. It, <laughs> it would have been a huge challenge at the time. Look silly yeah, they for the it. effect. Group. But they've never done it in any alien movie, as far as I know. Right? By the way, as long well, as as long as we're talking about, well, we were talking. But let's go back to Ripley. Uh, her banter with Hicks. Um, you know what she conveniently doesn't mention to Hicks? What? what? That she's still married to some 90-year-old guy. Is she? Is she? Well, her daughter, here's the thing. If you look in the credits, her daughter, uh, the cut scene where you see her daughter, and it's actually a picture of Sigourney Weaver's actual mother. Yeah. You know, her yeah. daughter who died at age of 66. Her name is McLaren. Her name is Amanda Ripley McLaren hyphenated well they say so, no they say that's ripley probably a married name ellen ripley mclaren they 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 refer to that as the daughter had must have gotten married i believe oh okay so it's not yeah. it's that. not the father's name but then who's the father right, and where's we, he yeah 
we we don't know. Ripley seems I, like the kind of gal, gal who would have been a single mother, but I, I, I don't know why. I think she's probably still married, and the guy's still alive somewhere, and like a hundred years old, and she just forget <laughs> forgot all about him. She's just like, she, oh, oh, that guy, yeah, whatever. It's it's well, I mean, she did go on like an eight year space trucker mission without him, so I guess she was okay. And yeah, you know, we all know that she was sleeping with Dallas on the Nostromo. She was sleeping so. with everybody. They were all sleeping with every everybody. Apparently they were was all sleeping, sleeping with, with everybody. Every possible combination of people on that ship who could have uh, had sex had sex but then they would have realized if that were true except ash right exactly if that were true they would have realized ash was in it was a but that scene's in the movie is it well it's not in the movie there was was a scene shot for the movie there was that very scene where where ripley and uh, lambert are talking and they all they both sort of realize you know i've fucked everybody here and so have you except neither neither of us have fucked ash wow i did not that i did not you ever fucked no i never i didn't fuck ash did you fuck no (laughs) What's up with that? <laughs> and and, they're, and the basically they're like, everybody. I just didn't think he was into it. And, you know. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought they should have left See, that I movie because that was a great bit of like world building oh. of like what these people's lives are like, you know. They've been on this trip a long time. They've all they've all tried each other. <laughs> anyway, that's was, a different movie. But that's a different yeah, movie. Yeah, that's a different <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I, we talked about that one, that scene uh, yeah. pretty extensively if I remember right. and. I think we all decided it was best to be left out because it would have tipped the hand way too much yeah. on the Ash reveal. Yeah, and also, yeah. it just would have been, you know, an added bit of sexuality where the sexuality was always kind of under the surface of the movie. So it would have brought it to the surface weirdly hmm. late. Hmm. But um, anyway, that is another scene. But uh, what you're saying is that Ripley here might have, should have told him, should have told Hicks about her husband but you know i'm thinking this yeah, is this, the free love and future man i don't think that you who knows i don't think it's that way i mean she might have had a um you know she might have never been married she might this might be a test tube baby situation as they called them back then and mm. uh i don't know uh well that but then hicks says he ain't going anywhere and welcome to the final dialogue of this week yes Let, welcome <laughs> to the very last thing anyone will say until until next next week until you hear, until out. next Monday, when your life will be uh, interrupted by a whistle scream from from Newt, which I'm I'm kind of glad we didn't get a whistle scream. I, I'm I'm I am glad we avoided that, but no, we have no dialogue from here on in. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. That was it. It was fun for a while. It was fun while it lasted, wasn't it? Yeah, it was nice to have characters talking <laughs> can, to each we other. We can do this. We can do. This. We can. We can do this. <laughs> well, I so I've so in in such desperation for content, I've I've gone to the computer voice. Computer voice comes on the female computer voice and says attention emergency all personnel why am i doing the female computer voice all all personnel must evacuate immediately you now have 15 minutes to reach minimum safe distance and that is repeated verbatim in the next minute but it also which is again straight from the first movie where and again female that was a female voice too and i look that was that was a direct like cameron says you know that that was exactly what they were trying to do. They wanted to remind you of the of mother yeah. from Alien. So they used this. I think it's the exact same voice. Yeah. So yeah, it was blatant there. It wasn't. It, yeah, it wasn't even one of those like under the radar kind of homages. It was just right on the surface. I've always wanted there to be a com- a computer voice in a movie where it sounds very very dry and very bland and very flat, but uh, but she has more personality than any of the characters and. <laughs> and has you know and, and seems to be the most sympathetic character she that's the movie she i believe is it i didn't see i that didn't one, i didn't so see I it either but i've seen the well you know I've scarlett, seen the ads. But scarlett johansson with that scratchy uh, sexy voice that <laughs> i could see that yeah that would work for me um 
so yeah, I didn't see that. I guess I should see it just for her for her sexy voice. Uh, I don't know, but I could just you know like uh, good morning, Captain. You truly look like shit today. Something like you know, just really give her some uh, some uh, some truth to tell there. But I do have some information about the computer voice. Uh, she is uncredited uh, in in the film, but I uh, did some research and I have it on good authority that that voice is that is the voice of the fine actress Dennis France. Wow, Dennis France from NYPD Blue. Yes, yep. Or, he was going through a little yes. bit of a lull there. No longer in De Palma movies. You can um, hear a little bit of NYPD yeah. Blue. You can yeah. hear a little bit of the Chicago accent come through yeah, in there, but he's keeping it uh, keeping it down. But he, as he will heretofore be known, Space Dennis France. Right. So it's a Space nice Dennis tie, France, nice tie in with Space Jimmy Smith there. So we can uh, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. Wrong wow. show. Uh, anyway, <laughs> what, are we, what are, you guys got? Anything else for this one? The, I, the only note I have is it says Ernest Robot Face, which was Bishop has his Ernest Robot Face when he's talking to Ripley. You know, he always has that like I'm I'm being helpful robot. Um, yeah. But he's so good. He's just Lance well, is so good. Yeah. Even is he a little like confused here? Like that? Wouldn't you be conflicted if you were an android, uh, a, a synthetic human, however they like to be referred to? I always forget. Um, and. You're being told by someone that they you can't leave, but by action of omission, you cannot allow anyone to be harmed either. Right. Right? But if she leaves, he can't just leave her behind, but at the same time, he's endangering Hicks by staying. I feel like his circuits have got to be, like, firing all different directions. Yeah, because... again, that's why I say, like, who who would have really gone back for Newt? The chances are so remote you know it's only in a movie that somebody would do this even i don't care i don't know i but yeah i i would think that bishop would just be like no you're not going anywhere and just grab her by the scruff and drag her on board you know that that would be the logical thing to do you know 19 minutes but yeah it's a movie so yeah it almost feels like you could have had a scene here like if you wanted to take the time you could have had a scene here where we get a bishop moment of perplexion, you know, like where he's perplexed. Yeah. And it's like, wait, wait a second. I, my programming is like, I don't know if this works with my programming. And I don't know if he should go like full Spock and do, like you said, the logical thing is to not go back. So we got to go. Um, where she would have to fight him off, or I don't know. I, I, I'm not thinking that that's a good scene. But right. when I was watching this, I'm like, hmm, with his programming, this has got to be confusing for him. Right. And yet he, he maintains that. Uh, you know, earnest, like, uh, helpful. It's, I mean, again, it's very well acted in that it's, you know, kind of poker faced, um, and, and almost friendly, you know, helpful assistant robot, uh, kind of thing, um, in the face of this craziness. I mean, he could have just said, well, cool. Just don't do what I, you know, don't take my advice. I'm just a Timex over here. I'm just the, I'm just keeping the time, you know, no big deal. I'm like a $3 trillion watch. Exactly. So I'm I just like that, just like Dennis Franz. Just like the, Dennis Franz. They're kind of this the same role, same role. All right. Well, if that's all. Uh, that's all you guys got. You want to, Susan? You want to tell the audience where they can find your podcast and everything? Yes, I'm at theshining237.com, and I am on iTunes, uh, and yeah, Facebook and Twitter. So please do visit and check out the show. We're on our fifth episode at this, at, as this as of this recording, probably sixth by the time you hear this. All right, and Joe, you want to tell everyone where they can find your stuff? Uh, you can find me on this show tomorrow. 
<laughs> okay. So tune in tomorrow, folks. You'll get more Joe Dater. Then he's also a cartoonist for The New Yorker, but I guess we mentioned that already. So just go check out his cartoons over there. They're really good. Um, all right. Well, that'll do it for today. Uh, you can find us at AlienMinute.com, on Instagram at Alien Minute Podcast, or on Twitter at Alien Minute Pod. I uh, always like to thank Alex and Pete over at Star Wars Minute for loaning us this format. Uh, that's our little Monday ritual. Thanks a lot, guys, for giving us the uh, permission to use the Movies by Minute format. Uh, we're enjoying it. Uh, two, mo- two movies in here, so I guess we must be enjoying it. All right. Well, that's uh, going to do it for Minute 111. We'll see you tomorrow for Minute 112.